Yes, coming in hot with episode 40 of the Football Played on Paper podcast. I'm Sean and I'm joined by a man who looks 40, Jobber. How are you, mate? <laughs> caught me off guard. That's a real dig. Um, I don't look 40. That's not fair. I think and act like a 40-year-old, but I'm certainly not 40. But I'm great. So big news overnight um, sort of keeps me alive, my hate. Frank Lampard got the sack. So we're going to work straight into the opening question. Because um, I'm not even going to do the flavours. I will do opening question, weekly happenings, EPL review, and the prem preview for the midweek fixtures. But Frank is gone. Werner still can't score a goal. Mr. Penn in the FA Cup. Like I know you're a big Frank fan. You're in the Harry Redknapp basket of Frank Lampard fans. So right up there. Top, top, top. Top. You're almost his uncle. What went wrong for Frank? And. Was it the right call by Roman to hit the button and go, see you, Frank? Very two-part question. Um, So, well, I think what went wrong is in terms of signings, I think he did too much too soon. So he made too many changes to his existing squad, which did did okay for him, to be fair, um, the year before. And I think if he had just like sprinkled one or two signings, um, on top of that, they could have taken another step forward and he could have like kept the harmony in the squad. But I think bringing in – and he ended up bringing in like six or eight players. Um, I just thought that that was too much. So I think that's what went wrong. But to be fair to Frank, if they, if you're the manager there and you get offered that type of cash and like, hey, we can get him as well, hey, we can get him as well, it's very tempting for Frank not to say, yeah, okay, let's go and get him. So I don't know. I think – after you've signed a couple and the money's still there to, to sign more, I think any person would keep signing. But I think that's essentially um, what went wrong. Is it the right call? Probably not. It's probably just too early, isn't it? Like we're sort of in unusual times and unusual season um, and it's definitely salvageable for Chelsea in terms of can they get can they win the title? No, probably not anymore. But can they make top four? Yeah, I, I think think they could so probably a touch early for me um what what did you think mate did you think that uh he made too many signings too early and is it the right call so i'm going to take you back 18 months ago and i'm just going to say it was the wrong appointment in the first place like frank was never qualified for this role chelsea's like a notoriously like instant success club like you don't have time to put in a project or put in a philosophy. And I know he had the transfer ban, but like he already had a, he already had good players there. So I just don't think Frank was ever right for the role. Um, I think what you said is right where it's like too much too soon. But if he's the manager, he needs to have some sort of plan. And if people are signed, oh, we're going to sign Werner, we're going to sign Havertz, we're going to sign Zayich, he's the manager, he's got to go, no, I don't want him. Like he's got to go, okay, you got to be brave enough to push back a bit on the board as well. Like that's why you get paid the big bucks to not be a little pushover and say, oh, yeah, we'll sign 10 strikers. Like, Frank should have known he had other problems in that team. Like, the defence was a massive issue. Uh, signing a 36-year-old Thiago Silva and being like, oh, now we're going to win the league. Like, that was never the answer. Um, I think it was the right decision. I think it came too late. I don't think Too he, late? Yeah, I don't think he was ever the right man for the role. And last year when he had the transfer ban, it was basically like a free hit. Like, he's come across from Derby County. Derby County did okay. Like, they did okay, but Frank hasn't taken the time to go and learn to be an assistant manager anywhere, like, learn how to run a football club. So all these things that are happening around him, he's like, oh, I didn't know how to do that. I didn't know how to do that. Oh, the pressure's coming from here. Like, he just wasn't ready for the role. And I think his own ego played into that a bit, to be honest. 
like thinking that he doesn't have to go and do the graft. Like Stephen Gerrard's gone and done the graft at Rangers and done his time. Wayne Rooney was assistant manager at Derby. Like these players are all taking their time. John Terry at Aston Villa. I think John Terry's going to have a better managerial career than Frank. Um, but Frank was like, no, nah, I'm ready for the Chelsea job. Jumps in there and he's absolutely butchered it. So I think it was the right call. I'm going to read you a couple of quotes here from some various people. So We Are The Shed, which is a Chelsea fan group, has said that sacking Lampard was a cowardly decision. I don't think Roman will take kindly to that. Um, Chelsea want Tuchel in charge by Wednesday. So they got him on a one-and-a-half-year contract with an option of another year. And then Uncle Harry jumps in and said, absolutely, the players need to take responsibility. I don't know who actually brought those players in, but I'd be surprised if Frank was responsible for bringing the two German players, Havertz and Werner, in and Hakim's age. It's a changing game now. Managers are given players by a head of recruitment. I just disagree completely with Harry Redknapp. But what do you think of that? Cowardly from Roman? I don't know if cowardly is the right word. I think trigger happy is probably the, the right word, but <laughs> it's, very, it's just very um, on brand. But I think – so you mentioned there that Tuchel um, is set to become the, the manager. How do you feel about that? I think the other names thrown around were Allegri, um, which is not a surprise. Every big club gets linked to him or spoken about. Um, or speaks his name sort of when, the, uh, when there's a spot um, in the managerial role. And um, Nagelsmann from uh, RB Leipzig as well. Yes, yeah, so I think so what do you think? Nagelsmann would be a bit hard to get, but I think Tuchel's got the um, the benefit of being like having managed a big club at PSG with like a similar philosophy. Um, so he's already done that, um, and he's also got the bonus of being available. Is he the right man for the job potentially for a short term? Um, like Tuchel's a bit of a prickly character, so. Um, He'll get things going his way straight away, but then that tends to wear teams down over time. But I think it's a good appointment. I think you'll see like an impact straight away in Werner and Havertz. Um, and I think it was, pro- outside of a league group, probably the best available manager on the market. What do you think? Mm, yeah, I suppose if, if you can't get a Allegri out of retirement or sabbatical or whatever he's on, I suppose Tuchel's the best best man in the market at the moment. So kind of makes sense. Um, yeah, apparently they couldn't get um, Nagelsmann out of RB, especially not in January. Like they would have had a conversation at the end of the year. So, yeah, it kind of makes sense. Um, I think so my understanding is that it's done with um, Thomas Tuchel. I think that's what I'm reading. And um, he was the, quote here, favourite option of the board. Hmm, so I had a few. A word of warning for Nagelsmann, but um, I don't know if you remember Andre Villas-Boas. I do. Yeah, if I was Nagelsmann, I would look at the Villas-Boas, young, up-and-coming, talented manager scenario before I rush into the Chelsea job. Uh, Might be a year and a half from now, but it just went so badly for Villas-Boas. Yeah, and they ended up at Spurs. Um, No, so I think you you mentioned there earlier that um, you're saying, oh, Frank didn't really do... um, do an apprenticeship or anything like that. But, I mean, he was at um, Derby and he did rather well. And then he had that year, as you say, with Chelsea, which was the the free hit year where he had no had the transfer ban and, um, and sort of made the Champions League. So I think he was kind of deserving of the job given his history there. Um, but, yeah, I just think he, he pulled the trigger on um, too many signings too early where they're not all his decision, um, to be fair to Frank. So, yeah, probably a bit early for me. Yeah, so what now for Frank? Do you think it goes full circle and he starts hanging around for the West Ham job? 
Or do you think his next move, like his playing career, is Man City when Pep moves on? I think he'll be on um, on the Sky Sports pundits um, for, I don't know, probably six or, or 12 months before someone else picks him up. But he definitely needs to go down, a step down from Chelsea. Um, to to manage a team first, potentially even back to the championship before he comes back. But I think you'll definitely say management. He seems to be, you know, a good footballing man. So I don't know why. What, what about this? So um, Neil Lennon gets the sack. Frank Lampard takes the Celtic job. Gerard yeah. Rangers, Lampard yeah, Celtic. Yeah, finally we can resolve this. Who was the better England midfielder through the managerial um, prowess in the Scottish Premier League? Could you squeeze them in, both of them in and have both? No one's ever been able to figure that out. Like that, that's not the worst move for Frank, but I think that's another club where the expectation is hey, you win everything or you get sacked. Like that's your. Yeah. So, So look, it's been a massive week outside of Frank, so just want to take the attention away from him for a bit. So, I don't know if you saw this, but there was a goalkeeper taking a penalty against Atletico Madrid. Did you see this? No, I've missed this one. I love this. I love the idea that, like, Every, the whole game stops and then it just becomes that little bit of extra jeopardy because if he misses, can All Black get it quickly enough to throw it and score? And you know Suarez is a sneaky little bastard too, so he's the best man to have around there. But um, they copped a peno. I can't remember who it was against, but very interesting viewing. The other thing was, did you see the snow in London? Last I have week? seen the snow in London, yeah. Yep. Oh, my God. So an interesting photo came out of this. So Kieran Tierney at training wearing shorts and a T-shirt. If you haven't seen oh, this, Google it. Oh, he's well hard. He's fucking hard. Um, he's just standing there like nothing's going on. So that was quite impressive. And then the last thing I wanted to bring up was Luis Suarez, that sneaky bastard I made a reference to before, is now the leading scorer in La Liga. Who would have thought? That, that is shocking. When he left Barca for Atletico, I thought, yeah, well, his career's sort of, you know, peaked and now it's on slide down, but you can still slide down gracefully. But, I mean, to score that many goals and to be the leading goal scorer, that's – Bloody impressive. And, and did, did Barca let him go too early? And if they did, was it simply financial reasons? Do you think they would have preferred to keep him? Um, or do you think they thought he was he was sort of slowing down? Because some of the images I've seen him at the end of his Barca career, whether that be in training or um, I think there was a cup game or something they played him, and he just looked overweight and slow and out of touch. What do you think? Yeah. Now, I... I, it's hard to say. I don't know if he's found his like spirit animal in Diego Simeone, um, and they're just so interconnected that it's just turned out perfectly. But he's got fifteen. He's played fifteen games. He's got twelve goals, and he's only taken thirty-five shots. Like so, his goals per ninety minutes is like one. It's zero point nine or something. It's crazy. Um, so he's absolutely flying. They're top of the league, leading Real Madrid by seven points with the game in hand. So good move for Lewis. Can they do it? I hope so. I'd love to see that, actually. Um, all right, so let's get into the quick Premier League review. So we haven't met up for a while, but the big talking point last week, Burnley won Liverpool nil. What did you make of this one? And is Klopp under pressure too? Kloppo going uh, going crazy in the tunnel at halftime. Him and Daishi had a bit of a, oh, bit of a run in too. Gonna, that was going to be the opening question too. That was the other thing in my mind. Do you know Daishi's going to fucking – he would drop oh. <laughs> 
Yeah, he'd end Klopp's life. Um, no, well, apparently it was interesting at the end of the game, both of them said that, you know, it's just two managers trying to win three points going at each other and, you know, what's said in the tunnel stays in the tunnel and sort of both moved on. So I thought that was interesting. Um, probably expected from Dyche, but less so from, from Klopp. But I, in terms of Liverpool's performance, I thought, like, they played a strong enough team to beat Burnley. They had enough players available. I know they've got injury crisis there at the moment to beat Burnley, but... I mean, when they were in the front third, everyone was just sort of standing in like a, a semi-circle, just passing the ball across. There was just no runs. I appreciate there's not a lot of space in behind Burnley in that stage because it sat so deep. But, yeah, just sort of no creativity, no no one running past anyone, no one breaking any lines. Um, just like the one thing that Burnley can deal with is like half chipped in crosses floated into the box. Yeah. Um, and for some reason, that was Liverpool were like, oh, I know, we'll break them down by being able to do that. We've got um, sort of Salah, um, Firmino and Mane on towards the end there. Because they're just not going to win a header in, in that situation. But they just continued just to loft balls in and float balls in. So, yeah, it was – and that was sort of um, sort of late on or towards the end of the game. And then, yeah, Burnley go down the other end and sort of create a half chance um, from a free kick. And then eventually win the pen. Are you happy with that pen or not? I, I like I. The same question six months ago. No, or no, maybe not six months ago, but twelve months ago. Absolutely not. Like there's nothing in that. It's like incidental. But now that's a penalty. Like this incidental contact where someone gets the only time that you don't see it is like Virgil Van Dyke. But like I'm happy enough with the pen in this world. I'm not happy enough with the way that uh, like that's happened over time. But I think in the current fouling world, that's a penalty. Yeah, well, is it, is it Chris Wood or, or Barnes? But I think it's Ashley um, Barnes. Ashley Barnes, yeah, but just a, he's heavy touch and it ended in the ended up in the first row, and then he and then uh, he gets taken out. That happens oh, a bit so, with Ashley Barnes. <laughs> yeah, it does. Um, yeah, so oh, I probably agree with you to to that point, which is I think we've mentioned a couple of times on the pod where. Yeah, if you went back in a period of time, there's just no way that's a penalty, and even anywhere else on the ground, that wouldn't be a free kick. But um, yeah, nicely taken by Barnes in the end, and um, Burnley get away one nil winners. I don't think Klopp's in trouble. Are you thinking that um, he's in a bit of trouble? No, I don't think so. I don't. I don't think. I think Liverpool and um, Liverpool and Manchester United I think are a little bit different from the other bigger clubs, where I don't think they're like they would be very reluctant to sack a manager. But obviously Klopp's not, not even under that pressure. They're in a slight slump, but they can still win the league. They can still win the Champions League. Just a bit of a lull. Um, and I think that like he's absolutely fine. The, like, the performance from Liverpool wasn't that bad. It was just a little bit listless. Like as you said, like Ben Mee and James Tarkovsky, like, they love nothing more than heading crosses out. Like I think if you could say what's a perfect Sunday for them, they'd be like, oh, Alexander-Arnold whipping in balls. And we're just nodding him out. But Ben Mee almost gave Liverpool the game with an absolute <laughs> howler to yeah. Origi and still picked up best of field. Did but he? Did he get best on? He got, he got best on. And he, like, <laughs> there's so many things. Hurt. The ball's coming to me. He's absolutely butchered it. It's like the perfect mistake if you're a striker. Origi runs on. I thought Origi tried to be, like, a little bit too cute in a way. Like, he could have hit anywhere in the goal. Yeah. He wanted to really lash it in the top corner. Um, so he's going to sort of bend it in. Smacks off the bar, and that's it. But that that was the moment that, like, I think the game could have really like turned on its head. And if he tucked that home, Liverpool could have won by a few. Um, yeah, well, that's at that stage. I think if Liverpool do score that, then Burnley need to come out. And as you say, I think Liverpool go on and score a bunch more. Then, but yeah, yeah. 
So then that was Liverpool's first loss at home in 64 games. Yeah, that run. Burnley. So it was a... Yeah, it was pretty tough to swallow. But good news for them is Joel Matip did come back um, and actually played quite well. But Yeah, well, I think Liverpool have got some gears to go through. I think that if you're a Liverpool fan, that's the one thing you can hold on to, that, um, you know, you are where you are in the table, sort of touching distance um, to to the um, lead um, couple of teams. And you've got all these players to come back and you've got some players out of form. So I think if a couple of those things a couple of those players sort of drift back into the team and get fit again. Plus, there's a turn of form of a couple of those big players. You've got gears to go, whereas I think other teams up there at the moment, like they, they can't play any better than they're playing at the moment. Like that is their their peak form. So that's probably one thing you'd hold on to if you're a Liverpool fan. So quickly touch on the next one. So Fulham 1, Manchester United 2. What did you make of this one? And I know everyone's saying Paul Pogba is the best player in the Premier League right now. Do you agree with that? No, obviously no. Um, but I was interested to see him go back and play as a six in this game. Um, recently, he's been sort of shifted out to the left or, or the right um, of a of a front three, um, or just behind that, that front line. So yeah, he played a bit deeper with Fred, which I think suits him a lot better. No Rashford, which I thought was interesting. Mm, I think they were resting him for the Liverpool game. But um, it didn't have a huge impact. But Manchester United didn't start great in this game. Adela Lookman tucked away a goal. Nice sort of goal from him again. But You're a big Ezra, fan of Lookman, aren't you? I am a big fan of him. And I think the way that Fulham play lets him like... He doesn't straight away get to use his attributes because they're on the back foot a bit. But once they absorb a bit of pressure and teams start getting a bit more like on top of them, he can get in behind and show how fast he is and how good he is at dribbling. Um, so nice goal from him. But then Edison Cavani was on hand to... Whip home an equaliser. But then Paul Pogba, what a strike. Well, that's, yeah. that's world class. The touch yeah. the touch to bring that down, I was like, oh, my God. How's he done that? And then he takes onto his left and lashed it home. Like The ball's spinning in the air, and he just kills it. He's, he's finding some goals now, isn't he? Um, especially when in this game he played a little bit deeper. So... Yeah, I think he's done quite well there. I saw a stat the other day that um, after the same amount of games for Juventus, he's got um, the same amount of goals but um, like 10 more assists for Manchester United. So I'm not sure if his form is all that bad. He just finds himself out of the team in for huge stints. So, yeah. So Manchester yeah. United have won seven Premier League games having gone behind this season, um, which is just ridiculous, and they're unbeaten in the last 17 Premier League away games. So does that show that Ollie always picks the wrong team and then has to scramble and make changes to get it right at the end? Yeah, just, it's like they need like a bit of incentive to get going. Like, oh, shit, we can actually lose this game. Um, I don't know. It, it's, it need, they need to do something about it. Like, imagine if you could have – if Manchester United had the same like application and desire before they went behind, mm. they could be a really good team. Like, imagine if they just won those games like Man City did, like just 3 or 4 nil, as opposed to – you know, a late goal for a 2-1 win. Yeah, well, they wouldn't be known as a mid-table team. Like, <laughs> oh, come on, mate. No, um, snuck no I think I, I've, I've, um, I thought Pogba did well. I thought, um, as you say, United did well to sort of fight back. I think this could have been a bit of a banana, banana skin for them, especially when they caught one early. Four minutes in, they caught that Lookman goal. Um, things could have turned. But, yeah, they showed some character and, and turned around and got it done against Fulham. But, I mean, at the end of the day, it is Fulham. 
Oh, no, they're a big club. They're a proud big club. But it's a good result. Um, not a great performance. But moving on to the next one. So Manchester United, where are they on the table now? Uh, third? No, oh, sorry, top, top. Top, top yeah. still top. All right, so moving on to the other club in Manchester. Manchester City 2, Aston Villa 0. Let's just skip the first 78 minutes. Um, not relevant. Tyrone Ming's touch. The ball goes over his head. He takes a touch. Roger is offside. Yeah. Do you like this call or is this offside? And like, I'm going to very strongly say this should have been offside from the outset. Don't care about what the rules say. Don't care about anything else. That's offside. What? Do yes. You oh, that's that's offside for sure. I know there's there's this new rule about him. They need to touch it, but I think if you're um, coming in and making the tackle after he's brought it down, I think that's that's definitely offside. This happened a couple of weeks ago too where I think it was um, – I think he was sort of applying pressure. And so in a normal situation, the centre-back would have taken it down and played out, but he headed it back. Oh, the game escapes me, but he headed it back and it sort of landed in danger and they copped the goal and then a similar thing where, um, yeah, I think their, their boss was sort of worried about well, how can that not be offside? He's sort of influencing play because, as you say, in no, if um, if he had known that um, who was behind him, Rodri, Rodri, if Rodri was behind him, um, I think Mings just would have headed it clear. But I think he's like, oh, he's offside. I'll bring it down. I've got time, and it's just not the case. And he gets a ball pinched, and yeah, off sort of away Man City go um, with the banana silver goal. But yeah, offside. I think that this is becoming more and more of a problem. I think this rule, that, like it's just ridiculous. Like that that rule and its interpretation, whatever. Like it seems like it's written by someone who doesn't play the game. Like whether you like it or not, like Roger in that position, and he's like, oh, he's not offside to listen to that. Like he's impacting the game because if he's off, if he's offside and he can't impact the play, means can bring that down. He can start playing out. Um, like and, and Villa can start an attack with one player effectively out of shape. But if he's onside, then means like. If he's that close, he's like, oh, we should just clear it or, like, you know, lump it, like, whatever. Like, it changes the whole game. I just think it's and, absolutely ridiculous. And that's not, a, that's not a separate phase of play. Do you know what I mean? Like, where no. sometimes, like, a ball gets slipped down to a winger and, yes, a striker is offside, but he's central and then all the defenders run back and then now the winger can dribble and cross in. That's a different phase of play and I'm happy to see a goal there. But, yeah, like, if it's in the same phase of play... Um, I just can't see how that's not offside or not affecting the the play. I think um, Leicester got a goal, conceded a goal, but it got ruled out for. Um, I think it was a Man City player who was in an offside, or maybe it was a Liverpool. Um, it was off in an offside position very early on in the season, and it sort of blocked Cassius Michael's view. Do you remember that? And it sort of drifted yeah. in at the back post. Yeah, and um, he didn't touch it, but that was given offside. Yeah, and this one, this one's so much more obvious. Um, yeah. So I'm just going to quickly take you through a transcription of what Dean Smith said to John Moss. So I'm going to oh, skip no. a couple of words. So Smith said, offside you dozy, dot, 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 expletive. Moss, the offside rules were applied correctly. Smith, well, the laws of nature weren't applied correctly to your head. You look like a turnip. Oh. Moss, one more word and you're gone. Smith, turnip-headed, dot, 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 expletive. There's three words, and then he gets a red card. <laughs> At that point, it's got nothing to do with the offside call. <laughs> no, he's gone, per- he's gone personal then, hasn't he? Yeah. Good from Dean. So, disappointing result for Villa. So, I.K. Gunduan took 
tucked away a pen. Um, Bernardo Silva got the opener there. Very suspect. City were pretty dominant throughout. Um, so, like, no complaints for the performance, but disappointing for Villa when they could have potentially had a handy nil-all draw there. Moving on now. So, Leicester 2, Chelsea 0. This was probably the final string, uh, the, the, the straw that broke the camel's back for Frank. What would you make of this? And I just thought like this was a result that I expected. Yeah, I'm not I'm not sure I expected it, but at the end, I don't think I was surprised by it, if that makes sense. But I think, yeah, Leicester were just like more alive, um, played with a lot more pace to their game and their passing than, than Chelsea did. The Chelsea looked a little bit scared and, and nervous coming into this. I think like the ball movement was slow. I think they were the act lacked um, some creativity and the early goal um, hurt them as well. Uh, Wilf doesn't, Wilf and Dean doesn't score a lot of goals, but ball sort of bouncing out to him and he's cracked up his left foot, bit of a slice um, and clips the post and goes in. So Leicester off to a great start after five minutes. Yeah. So the, and I, th- I felt like just for the whole game, Chelsea looked very nervous um, and Leicester just looked like they were going to pinch one. But then James Madison pops up. He's in good form lately, Madison. Jeez, he's scoring some goals and getting some assists. I think he's got four in his last four, if you include the FA Cup and a couple of assists in there as well. And Gareth Southgate was in the building for that game. So it could be interesting. Oh, wow. So that could be a good sign for Matters. Um, but he's got to dispose Jack Grealish, I think. I just don't think that's going to happen. Um, but good result for Leicester. So they go up to, up to third. I think they were top at the end of this game, weren't they? But not yeah, they went they went top at the end of this fixture. But um, obviously, um, the Manchester clubs had some games to uh, to catch up on, and when once they did that, they uh, went on top. But yeah, Leicester were top for twenty four hours, and then now third. Whereas Fat Frank and his ex club are down to ninth. Yeah, no, I think the Arsenal jump above them. Is that is that true? No, no, Arsenal in 11. Yeah. You know you got some problems then. Um, but look, yeah, great result for Leicester. That's the Premier League. So let's move on to the FA Cup. So I'm just going to quickly flick through a couple of these results and then talk in detail about. So Wolves won, Chorley nil. No surprise there. Southampton won, Arsenal nil. No surprise there. Big club, little club. Brighton two, Blackpool one. Millwall nil, Bristol City three, Barnsley one, Norwich nil. That's a bit of an upset. Sheffield United two, Plymouth Argyle one, West Ham four, Doncaster nil, Swansea five, Nottingham Forest nil. And now we're getting to a bit of detail here. So Cheltenham one, Man City three. So a brave performance from Cheltenham. They were so close to almost oh. send it to extra time, were they? Well, they had um, they went one nil up, and I thought, here we go, cup set, dream cup run. Um, Pep the ball fraud could be out and um, Cheltenham could be through but um, some Phil Foden magic with an assist and, and a goal um, sort of turned the game. Yeah, and like I, I felt like there was always that spectre of City just going to batter him eventually. Um, but Phil Foden gets on the score sheet, Gabriel Jesus gets one as well and then Ferran Torres lashes one home. I feel like every time Ferran Torres plays, he scores. Um, I don't know, yeah. maybe I've got that idea in my head. Man City made some changes to their to their team, but still, obviously, even if they do that, they still got a very very strong lineup. So yeah, I think eventually they were always going to run over the top of um, Cheltenham. But it's always nice to see um, like a uh, those type of players at Man City playing at um, <laughs> Cheltenham's ground. Yeah, with like just mud everywhere. It's cold. It's stands are like you know 
half the size of uh, see it from your lounge room. Some of their other, other um, uh, for some of the other stadiums that they play in. So yeah, always interesting. Yeah, so no, uh, City through. So I haven't looked at the draw, but we will come back to that at the end. So the next one is Chelsea three, Luton one. So a Tammy Abraham hat trick. But the big talking point out of this one was Timo Werner's goal-scoring woes continued. Do you remember a couple of weeks ago we were talking about, oh, if you had a penalty, would you trust Werner with it right now? And I was like, yeah. no way. He's like, he's going to have an impact on the rest of the squad. Bang, shit penalty and a great save from um, Sluger in goal. And Ver, like, Werner missed a penalty against Luton Town. That's what $53 million gets you nowadays. Jeez, that's – yeah. I remember having that conversation and I think I, I think I elected to, yes, give it to him and that way it might turn him. Like he How might score and then get some confidence. Jeez. I mean, that's got to be – that is the biggest flop of the season in terms of signing. Oh, there's probably there's maybe one player who's in worse form, um, but he also maybe. played for Chelsea, and that is Kepper. So we had time. So we had a Tammy Abraham hat trick, which was nice. Good on you, Tammy. I like Tammy. But then we also had enough time for a Werner missed pen and a Kepper howler from a Jordan Clark strike in the 30th minute. Just Frank just can't get it right. And well, he, he doesn't have a chance to fix it either <laughs> now. He's gone. Um, but I think yeah, Tuchel will have to come in. He's got to – I think if you're Tuchel, you come in, you've got to go straight to Werner and you've got to tell him that um, he's the main man and you back him and the goals will come and just try and pump some confidence into him, even if you don't believe it because essentially he is the, your main man. Um, and even if you don't believe it, I think you have to tell him that so he thinks it's actually going to happen. So. Do you know who could turn this Chelsea team around? Jose Mourinho. I wish I wish I'd thought of that before, but he could because you know he would tell them like in his room he'd be like, "Timo, you're the man." Like I'd go to war for you, like the way he has for I, Harry Kane. I don't think he'd leave Spurs, especially with the pillows at that training ground. There's just That's no way true. he'd do. So you're right. Okay, so that was that was the final nail in the back for Frank there. That performance. So Tammy tried his best, but no one else seemed to. Um, and Vernon, Hang on, just quick. Go and just quickly, mate. Does Tammy get on the plane? It's too early to say. Too early to say. Okay. Okay. Too early okay. to say. Unless, yeah, I doubt it. Um, so Fulham nil, Burnley three. So a great result for Burnley. What a week. So um, goals from. I'm just trying to bring it up now. So we had goals from Jay Rodriguez got a double, which is nice to see. I like Jay Rodriguez. He had a horrible time with injuries. Um, and Kevin Long also tucked one home from centre-back. But good performance. Um, Fulham fielded a relatively weak team for this one. Mitro got a start, but wasn't enough. Um, great news for Burnley, but beat Liverpool, and they go through in the FA Cup this week. Yeah, so big, very happy for Doshi. Big, big, big week for Doshi. He's done rather well, hasn't he? Four goals Should forward, none conceded. Mm. Do you think this is the catalyst for a storm up the table? Oh, I think so. Like, if, if they're ever going to do it, now's the time, right? Like, we're into the second half of the season. Um, they're in um, good form, just beat um, Liverpool, the um, champions. So, yeah, I think – and a good little um, win in the cup against another Premier League opponent. So, yeah, I think if you're ever going to do it, I think now's the time for Burnley. Yep. So, great result for Burnley. So, next one is Brentford 1. And Brentford scored first, Leicester City three. So don't have a heap to say about this one except um, potential banana skin for Leicester because Brentford have become a bit of a cup bogey team for everyone. Um, but James Madison was phenomenal in this game. 
Yeah, well, he didn't start. He came off and then, yeah, pulled some strings, um, uh, as you say, when Leicester sort of fell behind. So I think, yeah, as I said, he's, he's got four in the last four, got a nice little assist in this game. Good to see Nacho on the score sheet um, because with Vardy missing, um, he's going to have to carry a load and he has been completely out of form um, with, with um, in terms of goals recently. So, yeah, I think that was good. But it's like Leicester sort of rotated their, their whole squad for this. So it was nice to see um, Wes Morgan back out in the field and wearing the armband. Um, and Sionchu, um, again, he's come back from injury. So good to get some game time in him. And Damari Gray, who we haven't seen a lot of as well. So, yeah, some changes made by Leicester. But um, in the end, just a bit too strong for Brentford. And with the substitutions made, just had too much class and pushed past Brentford. Yeah, so a uh, nice little assist for James Maris in the first half. Yuri Tellemans, who actually was wearing the armband, took the peno to score, and um, James Madison got in on the act late there. So Leicester go through. So then the big one of the weekend, the one that everyone had their eyes on, Manchester United 3, Liverpool 2. I know I asked the question earlier about Paul Pogba being the form player in the Premier League right now, but... Was there a better display on the weekend than Marcus Rashford against Trent Alexander-Arnold? Discuss. Oh, yeah, I'd, I wouldn't put. I wouldn't go that far. I thought he was oh, good. I would. Oh, I think you're God. looking at this through um, those Manchester United <laughs> He was so electric. He was unbelievable. The rest obviously did him well um, the week before. I think probably you'd probably see a lot of players benefit from having a week off or a couple of days off completely um, and then going to a game. As you say, he looked a bit fresher, looked a bit bouncier um, than, than Trent, who looks extremely tired. So play-by-play play for this one. So the first goal came from Mo Salah, a ball from Thiago. Have you seen this ball? Like how many players could just slice the defence open like that with a pass? Like, good run from Salah, and you're saying how you didn't see a player get in behind. But then the way Thiago just split the defence with that pass, just ridiculous. That's that's why they brought him in, right? And I think um, I think he might need to play a little bit higher up the pitch. And, and I think that way he can do a little bit more damage. But I think he has to play at six at the moment, Thiago, because they've got so many injuries. Um, and everyone who is a six at Liverpool is now a centre-back. So I'd like to see him play a little bit higher. Um, keep going deeper, don't they? <laughs> not necessarily as a 10, but more more of an eight where, yeah, he can play those passes a little bit higher up the pitch and, and they can be a little bit more dangerous. He plays decent passes that are hard to do, but he plays them from the sixth position. So they're not sort of cracking teams open with those passes. Mm. So that was a good pass, but then I think Marcus Rashford just had one in the one in the locker that was potentially better. So Marcus, yeah, Rashford that one. I remember that one that he sliced over the top. <laughs> sliced? How dare you? So Mason Greenwood makes a run down the right touchline. Andy Robertson's caught a bit high, and Marcus Rashford finds Mason Greenwood forty yards away off a step. Um, favorite part about this goal is a, a still shot of Andy Robertson screaming at Mason Greenwood as he goes to take the shot but doesn't distract young Mason and he lashes it in the bottom corner past Allison, and it's one all. What do you think of this goal? And Mason Greenwood um, put up an Instagram post silencing the haters and doubters. Now, you were one of them. So how do you respond to Mason? Um, I am not a hater and doubter of Mason. <laughs> I thought it was a great finisher and that was a lovely finish, especially on his right foot, predominantly left-footed. Um, but, yeah, what a finish on his right foot. He... I think he's one of the like most natural finishers I've seen in recent times. Yeah, he's he's such a good finisher. Um, obviously he's got a lot 
I've worked it on his game. But um, great finish. But he's got to finishing. Yeah. yeah. He's, and he's, both feet too. Yeah, he's, he's got like a bloody old. pendulum on his right peg. Like he can absolutely smack a ball. Um, mm. But that was great. So then he was evo- involved again with the next goal. So Marcus Rashford makes it 2-1 to Manchester United. Um, turnover in midfield. Luke Shaw, I think, plays the ball through to Mason Greenwood. I think this is a mistake from Reese Williams, this second goal. But once Williams misses the ball from Greenwood, there's really no doubting Marcus Rashford from there, is there? No, he's not going to miss that. Not from there. No. So great finish, Marcus Rashford, but a bit of a mistake from poor old Reese Williams. I actually had a friend text me and say, you boys just bullied Reese Williams. We did, and we bullied, bullied Alexander-Arnold as well. But Liverpool weren't done yet. James Milner had a good chance to equalise. He missed, but he made up for it quickly after. Ball comes across the box. This is absolute genius from James Milner and all those years of experience. That dummy, I think Harry Maguire is still looking for him. That's it's so hard to do, right? As well, like in terms of a ball running across you, inside, like on the edge of the six-yard box, like every instinct is to tell you, "Yeah, go on, over the bar, this away." Oh, no. Yeah, just to have the sense of mind to um, step over it. Yeah, um, I mean, he fooled me, and he fooled definitely fooled Harry. <laughs> Poor Harry. I don't want to over-egg this, but I like I was watching this live and. I was just like, James Milner's a genius. To have that level of awareness in the box in a game of this magnitude, I was like, that is just phenomenal. Um, and I know it's just a shoulder drop, but just such great awareness from Milner and then Salah's never going to miss that. But poor Dean Henderson, no chance. Um, but that's two all. And you're like, well, here come Liverpool. But Manchester United had a wild card on the bench, didn't they? The dead ball specialist. The dead one. So Clovo has been banging on about Bruno Fernandes and his pens. So Bruno, being a little bit smarter than Klopp, takes the ball back a few yards Ten just yards. to prove he can do it from anywhere. Uh, and do you think Allison could have done better? Oh, it is close and it did have a lot of whippage. And so I don't think so. I think that's just top strike. And if you can bend it into the um, top bins from there, you've just – as a keeper or as a defender, you just got to say, yeah, no worries. If you're good enough to do it, that's it. Yeah, and Bruno Fernandes is good enough to do it. So Manchester United 3, Liverpool 2, a couple of late chances, but nothing too serious. United come from behind again. Liverpool out in the fourth round for the fifth year in a row, I believe. Um, Do you think it's panic stations for them or just like they fielded a weakened team, a bit unbalanced, in my opinion, for Liverpool? outside of their normal sort of shape with Curtis Jones sort of drifting around um, and Alexander-Arnold in a bit of a crisis of confidence as well. Yeah, I mean, Alexander-Arnold's definitely out of form. Um, but like, I think Klopp will look back at this and, and think, geez, this isn't the worst thing ever if I'm knocked out of the FA Cup relatively early um, just because of the the yeah players that he's got available and the amount of like big games he's got coming up. I think he's, if he was to prioritise some things, um, yeah, the FA Cup would be low on the list. So, I mean, disappointing that they're out. It's, it's never great to go out, especially if you're a team like Liverpool who's chasing silverware. But I think, yeah, it'd probably be a blessing in disguise that they've got a handful less games than, um, yeah, I'd say someone else who's going all the way to the final. They could add up to sort of four and five games more. So. Yeah, and I think Alexander-Arnold is only 22. I think once Virgil van Dijk and gets back in there and um, they get a bit more settled in that back line, I think he'll come back to his best again. Um, I think it's a bit of a confidence crisis now because that partner next to him on the left, the centre-back, like it could be anyone week to week. 
Um, and he doesn't get the same protection that he got from Big Virgil. So I think he'll be fine. Don't think it's that bad of a story for Liverpool. Um, and I'm sure they'll recover. So but- are you, if you're Liverpool or if you're Manchester United, do you take anything out of that carrying into their upcoming fixture or not? I think Manchester United get a real boost from this. Like beating Liverpool, that's massive. Um, it's always big too. So I think that Manchester United get a real shot in the arm having gone, played Liverpool, who are the best team in the country on their day, granted missing the, missing Virgil van Dijk, but playing them twice in a week and coming away with four points, like that's a real shot in the arm for Oli. Um, I, don't, I think Klopp's smart enough to not take too much out of it. He'll be like, look, we're missing this. We're missing van Dijk. We had to shuffle the pack, blah, blah, blah. Um, I don't think it'll let him impact them too much. And I think you're right about the fixtures too. I think Klopp's probably not, gutted they're out of the FA Cup. I don't think he cares about it that much. So I think yeah. he'll... Is this Manchester United's best chance at Silverware? Yes. 100% FA Cup. I just don't think they... They're not as good as the other teams in the league, but they can do it yeah, for... Right. They can't even do it for 90 minutes. They can do it for 60 minutes. Um, and, you know, if they cop one, they can come back. But this is definitely their best chance for Silver. Or actually, probably the Europa League. Change my mind. Um, just because of the quality. But in England, this is their best chance for Silverware. Okay. All right. So we've got two fixtures going on, or one going on now, which is Wickham Tottenham, which last time I checked, Spurs were one all, I believe, after a Gareth Bale goal. It was still are just about half time there. So Fred Onidinha has scored for Wickham and Gareth Bale. Haven't heard of him, but he's popped one home. So it's one all there. And then tomorrow we have Bournemouth versus Crawley. So get up early for that one. But, okay, so then let's go on to the fifth round, right? So the fifth round, Manchester United-West Ham, juicy fixture. Um, Everton versus Wickermore Spurs, depending on the winner. Swansea take on Man City. G Man City getting a tough draw again. Barnsley versus Chelsea. Wolves-Southampton. Leicester-Brighton. Burnley and versus Bournemouth or Crawley. And then Sheffield United versus Bristol. So I don't know how the draw works, but I think you're looking at Manchester United, Manchester City, and Leicester City. Oh, actually, do you know what? Everton would be the smoky there, wouldn't they, under Carlo? Yeah, well, they could run into Spurs in the next round, and that could be it. But, yeah, like there's obviously some big teams in there um, still. You'd imagine Man City would be going through um, against Swansea. I think, like, Man U, they've got some work to do against West Ham. Depends if they shuffle the pack and, and what West Ham do with their, their team. Um Leicester Brighton will be another big fixture. Yeah. So yeah, still some uh, and but like Sheffield United, um, they're still in there. But is that where they really want to be, or they might get some joy out of the FA Cup because they're getting none out of the Prem? Didn't Wigan win the FA Cup and still get relegated? Yes, that's right. Classic. So there you what go. are you saying? Cup runs on. I think Sheffield United favourites. No, um, I don't think they'll get much further than they've got a favourable draw. Against Bristol, but I don't think they'll go much further. So let's move on to the Premier League. This is where the action's at. So Wednesday morning, we've got Newcastle versus Leeds, two teams who desperately need a win. Who do you like in this one? Oh, yeah, you can't like Newcastle at the moment, can you? They're so out of form. So, but having said that, Leeds aren't great either at the moment. But so, oh, it's tough, isn't it? But I'm, I'm going to lead. lead lean towards Leeds because I think they have a performance in them. I think they've got more cutting edge than Newcastle United at the moment. Newcastle United lost four of the last five in the Prem and um, obviously got dumped out of the Cup as well. So, yeah, I think Leeds 
for me. And I think that will put Newcastle in a bit of trouble. 16th. Yeah. And uh, and Fulham play Brighton, so who were just both underneath them. So I think at the end of this week, you could have Newcastle down into 17th. Yeah, so I think – I feel like it was just yesterday these teams played each other because um, I vividly remember the last goal in the 5-2 win for Leeds when there was like basically the whole Leeds team lining up on top of the 18-yard box to tuck home the fifth. Um, I think I think Newcastle are in trouble again here because I think Leeds, are, Leeds need to take the pressure valve off a little bit and so do Newcastle, but I feel like Newcastle taking the pressure valve off themselves is like defending stoutly and winning 1-0 and that's just not going to happen against Leeds. So I think Leeds are going to batter him here. I think they'll win by a few. Um, yeah, and Newcastle, right. I think, oh, I don't know, I feel like Newcastle could quickly be dragged down because if Brighton win, they go above them. Yeah. And then Fulham, I feel like Fulham are starting to put it together. Um, like they, they've got some attributes that can hurt teams and they're starting to use them a bit better. And Scotty Parker seems to have them. Like they're playing much better football than they were in the first couple of months. They are playing much better football, and I think more recently they have been losing the game by the odd goal, yeah. like losing two one and, and stuff like that, as opposed to um, like sort of Newcastle who get battered every other week. So, yeah, I, I probably agree with that. But I think um, yeah, Newcastle will be on the slide here. I think Leeds will do them, and yeah, I think this spells trouble for Brucey. All right, let's move on to a London derby: Crystal Palace at home to West Ham. Another one. Yeah, so I think this is a very interesting fixture. I still can't get a gauge on uh, on the Hammers. I just don't know where they are in the scheme of things. Um, I think they're up to seventh. Up to seventh now, and I feel like Moisey's got them fairly solid. Um, but Crystal Palace are unbeaten in the last four against West Ham, so they are a chance. But they've been pretty awful the last couple of weeks too. So I yeah. think I'm leaning towards West Ham here. Yeah, I'm leaning towards West Ham. They won their last three in the Prem um, and got through in the Cup. So I think Moisey's got the boys purring, whereas I think Palace, it's just so hard to predict or so hard to see what's going on um, with them at the moment. Sometimes they put in a shift and put in performance and other times they're just sort of lackluster and, and clearly the second-best team. Listen to this run of form, loss, draw, win, draw, loss. So who knows what's going to happen with in terms of their performance Whereas, um, as I said, West Ham have won their last three. So, I'm going to say West Ham to continue their march. Yeah, and the Hammers the Hammers are looking fairly promising if they can keep this together. So, they'll probably pick up three points here. Actually, should be a, I think a relatively entertaining game. I just think I'm interested in the, the evolution of West Ham. I think you know what you're going to get from Palace. But if West Ham get a little bit too excited, Will Saha could hurt them on the counter. Um so could are they a chance? I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, so we've had the entree of Southampton and Arsenal now in the FA Cup. Now let's have the main course of Southampton at home to Arsenal. What are your thoughts? Yeah, so this this one could be a bit more juicy. So we could see a debut for Martin Odegaard. I'm not sure if you heard of the Norwegian wonder kid. Um, potentially going to Arsenal on a six month loan, but I still think Southampton are. I am, are a much better team than Arsenal right now. Um, there's been some encouraging signs for Arsenal the last couple of weeks. Um, I think the front three starting to get together, Bamiang, Lacazette, and I really enjoy Smith Rowe. Like he's just an energetic little bugger and he gets in, but he might drop out if Odegaard comes in. But certainly better signs. Losing to Southampton is not something to be ashamed of, so um, it's not the end of the world for Arsenal. But I think Saints will be too good again for Arsenal, um, and I just, like, I just like where Saints are going right now. 
What do you yeah, think? Yeah, see, I'm going the other way. I'm going um, Arsenal will win this. I think in the FA Cup, Arsenal changed their squad and changed their team um, a lot, whereas Southampton essentially played a full-strength team. So I think the FA Cup game, the 1-0 win, wasn't necessarily reflective um, of where both of these teams are at. And I think when you roll into this game, um, Arsenal's players will be a little bit fresher, um, at least the ones that they'll select this week because they were rested in their FA Cup. And I think Arsenal will beat Southampton. So this is 10th versus 11th. So <laughs> Southampton, if they Six win, could open, up, yeah, could open up a five-point gap. Right in the midpoint of the table too. Um, yeah, I'm going to go with Southampton on this one. So your Arsenal is a good West split. So oh, yeah, I think we're split on the next one. So West Brom versus Man City. I'm going to go Man City, but you've been talking up West Brom. <laughs> oh, that's outlandish. I think this is probably the most basic fixture to pick this week um, if you want some easy money, but at very poor odds um, back Man City because they will do West Brom here rather easily. I don't think Allardyce's team has a chance all right, so I'm going to chuck a couple of wild cards in there for you. So rumour is that Andy Carroll might be going to West Brom. So does that change your mind? No. Okay. So this one, me either. Next one, Kevin De Bruyne is out for six weeks. Does that change your mind? I think that will affect Man City, but not in this fixture. Yeah, so West Brom will winless in their last 18 Premier League matches against Manchester City. But, um, yeah, I don't like their chance. I, I just don't know if that... I feel like the Kevin De Bruyne injury could be a factor, but I just think West Brom are too poor to be the team to impact that. Um, but he's like obviously a massive loss, probably the best player in the league, um, and he's out for six weeks when City need him. They've got Liverpool in a couple of weeks too, but I think West Brom just don't have the quality right now. Oh, yeah. So City by a few. Yeah. yeah, City by a few. I mean, that is the second player on this pod that you've said is the best player in the Premier League. <laughs> Um, but Man City top of the form table at the moment, and yeah, West Brom. Ah, this isn't what is going to keep them up or, or keep their fight alive. Um, getting points against Man City, um, but yeah, they'll get battered this week. Bugger! All right, so Chelsea versus Wolves could be Tuchel's first game in charge against Nuno's Wolves. Who do you like in this one? And is the Wolves slump as bad as we think it is? Yeah, the Wolf Slump is as bad as we think it is. They're all the way down in 14th and have no wins in the last five. They are struggling. They really need a striker. Um, so I think I'm looking for them to pull the trigger on a striker and get someone in ASAP. But in terms of picking this game, Chelsea versus Wolves, I think it's just too hard to see, as you say, whether Tuchel will be there at this stage. It sounds like they're going to get the deal done in time to get him there, but... I mean, will he take charge of this or will he probably step out of it? What teams are you going to play? How's Chelsea going to react? I think there's just too many variables in this to, to pick. So I'm going to sit on the fence and go draw here. What do you think? Coward. Um, all right. So good news for you is Wolves have picked up a striker. I just don't know if he's fully landed yet. So they've picked up William Jose from Real Sociedad. So he's a 1.89 metre tall target man. Um, from Brazil, so good news is he comes straight in and speak Portuguese, so getting on the training ground all right. But, yeah, so he was a workman-like striker for Sociedad who are quite an entertaining team. Um, I think this is going to make a big difference to him, like getting that target man in. Obviously, when Jimenez gets back or if he gets back, um, he'll come straight in, but they did need a striker. They've got a big, burly one this week, and I think he'll put Thiago Silva and 
Uh, I don't know who's going to start next to him, maybe Christensen. But I think he'll put them through the ringer. Hopefully he can come straight into the lineup. And I actually think Wolves are going to pinch this one. Really? And do you think Thomas will be at the helm by this stage? I just can't see how he is. Like with the quarantine law, I know they're fairly lax in Britain with um, the quarantine, but like it just seems like a weird thing for the Premier League to allow to have Tuchel fly into the country and then the next day like be in the dugout. Yeah. With all the COVID protocols and all the players have missed games and the like currently Britain are in an absolute mire. Like it just seems like a bad piece of imagery for the Premier League to allow this. So I don't think he'll be in the dugout. Okay. So inform Burnley take on Villa. Why aren't Villa in form? I think Villa are in great form. Um, but I I, they just lost. Yeah, to City. Um, <laughs> to a dodgy offside. Mind you, Burnley beat Liverpool. Um, so oh, I'm kind of split on this one. I really like Villa this year, um, even though at the start of the year I was bagging them heavily. But, yeah, Burnley, four goals scored, none conceded in the week. I reckon they'll be riding very high after the weekend. I think this one might be a draw. What do you think? No, I think Burnley's going to do it. I, I think Oof. they're on a bit of a roll at the moment. I think if those couple of results don't give you confidence, I don't know what will. And yeah, I think they'll, I think they'll test Villa here. I think they could win, um, but it will at least pick up a point. Yeah. So interesting for Villa is we may see Morgan Sampson, a uh, Sampson. I'm not sure if he's signed fully yet, but he's a defensive midfielder. Signed from Marseille. He's been capped by France at under-19 and under-21 level, so he could debut this week as a defensive midfielder. So that would be very interesting to see if they can get him out there. But, yeah, I, I think I'm going to go for a draw in this one. But, yeah, it will be interesting to see if Samson gets a run out for Villa. Reinforcements have arrived. Yeah, so next one, Dyche's Dyche boys are flying, aren't they? They are flying, but I don't know if Dyche is ready for that cultural difference that Sanson will bring. So next one's Brighton Fulham. So this is a relegation six-pointer. Who do you like in this one? Uh, the one you've been calling match of the round. Um, oh, this is a tough one to pick, isn't it? Brighton Fulham. I'm probably going to lean towards Fulham based on some positive performances without getting many points recently. Um, so, yeah, I think Fulham will do it, and I think they'll get that'll get them in touching distance to Brighton. Um, what are they? Five points. Um, Fulham need this. Five points clear. Yeah, I think if if Brighton win this, I think you could look at that bottom three and pretty much lock that in. Really? Um, yeah, that's true. Down. Because that that'll that'll make it um, seven points gap between eighteenth and seventeenth. So you're calling it in January. That's brave. Well, have you have you ever seen three teams this bad and with a seven point? Gap. Normally, the, the gap's a little bit tighter, um, and normally teams are putting up a little bit more of a fight than, say, your Chef Uniteds, your West Broms, and your Fulhams. Yeah, but so, I yeah. remember a particularly poor Leicester City side coming from nowhere um, to stay up under Nigel Pearson. So I just never say never to anything anymore. That just, you seem like a coward saying that, but I think like Leicester had some tools that um, were good enough to to do that and some character and, and made a uh, managerial change. None of these teams have, have done that or and have that. Like I appreciate that um, West Brom made the managerial change, but nothing else has really changed in terms of their, their squad. So, yeah, I think you'll see if Brighton win, you'll see those three teams go down. 
Yeah. So I'm actually tipping this to be a very entertaining affair, and I'm going to tip Fulham for the win here. Um, I just like what I've seen lately from them. They'll get a bit of confidence from Manchester United performance, and I think they're going to close that gap and keep the relegation battle exciting for everyone. So let's move on to the United derby. So first versus last, Manchester United versus Sheffield United. Who do you like in this one and why? The United derby, no need to spend too much time on this. I think Manchester United will do this rather easy and, yeah, we'll keep their position at the top of the table. Will Manchester United go behind? I don't think they'll go behind, but I think Sheffield United will make it a scrap early um, and will sort of make it difficult. But I think, yeah, Manchester United's quality uh, will shine through in the end. I don't think Manchester United will pick um, Sheffield United apart um, tactically and sort of whether they get an overload or anything like that. Um, no genius coming from Oligul Solskjaer. The reason Manchester United will win this game is an individual piece of prudence because they simply have better players than Sheffield United. Will Anthony Martial start? Yes, I think he will. Mm, I don't think he will. Start. All right, Rashford, bit... Rashford, Cavani, Greenwood will be the front three. But you're thinking about um, having your strongest team, though, aren't you? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, exactly. I... But I don't think Manchester United are going to play the strongest team against Sheffield United. Uh, I Do you know I... what I mean? Like, I think if I agree with that front three, if you're going into a, a, um, a Liverpool game or something like that right now, because those three are all in, all in form, as you say. But I think when you're playing Sheffield United, I think if there's ever a time to get Tony in some form and getting some goals, this is it. So I think he probably pays and it's probably a good chance to, to rest one of the others. Yeah. All right. So Manchester United for me in that one as well. Should win by a few. So next one is a big game, but it's not quite our match of a round. We're building to that. So Everton versus Leicester City. Carlo versus Brendy. Who do you like in this one? And I think this is a tough one to pick. It's a tough one to pick. Leicester six points above Everton, but Everton have two games in hand on Leicester due to a couple of COVID rescheduled games. I think I'm leaning towards Leicester here. I think their, their form's been too good. I know they're with our Vardy at the moment, but I think Madison's form is, yeah, as good as it has ever been. Um, nice win in the cup for both these teams. But, yeah, I think Leicester will be too strong for them. I think with the form of Madison, yeah, they've just got too much for Everton, and I think they'll get it done. And then at that point, I think if you're Leicester, you would be saying, mind the gap. So I'm going to take your mind back to the 17th of December, 2020. So Leicester City nil, Everton two, Richarlison and Mason Holgate on the score sheet. I like. I just think, yeah, you're overly confident here. I mean, Leicester, Leicester are playing good football, but I think so are Everton. They've got a bit of a shot in the arm as well. I'm actually going to go for Everton in this one just to disagree with you. And I think that on the weekend I was really impressed with the, how dangerous Everton were from set pieces. And I think that that could be Leicester's undoing this weekend again. I'm going to go with Everton to win this one uh, based on beating them less than all a month ago. I can't win, mate. I, I tip against Leicester and you think, oh, geez, why are you doing that? Why don't you support the boys? And then I tip Leicester and you think, oh, geez, you're a bit confident here. So can't bloody win. <laughs> I'm a wild card, mate. Get used to it. All right. So um, Carlo's boys to get up in that one. <laughs> um, no doubt they are mine. So this is the match of the round. So this has been building all week. So Kloppo's been out complaining. He's been arguing with Sean Dyche. He's out of the FA Cup. What you want to face now is a smug Jose Mourinho. So we've got Liverpool Spurs Friday morning. Who do you like in this one? Are we going to see Klopp heavy metal 
back in gear, or are we going to see a Jose Mourinho masterclass and he's going to drag Liverpool down into the rough? I'm going with a Jose Mourinho masterclass here. I think at home, um, Jose should be able to pull this off. I think Liverpool's form's obviously patchy, still missing some players. So I think I'm going to lean towards um, Jose here. But that isn't the biggest thing that will come out of this game. Klopp and Jose will have a run-in in this fixture. There will be, will be some words shared between the two managers and I think potentially even hands lifted towards each other. So Ooh. just keep an eye on that. What, what are you thinking, mate? You Jose Masterclass or Rock and Roll Klopp? So what, what I need to see is um, I need to see what the build-up's like. Like I need to see what's in the presses before I can make a call on the song. If Jose comes into the presses a couple of days in, smug, couple of comments, just sort of gets under Klopp's skin, I think Tottenham will win this game. Just because he does, he does that so well in the press leading up. Just he'll make a couple of comments or pull out some stat no one's ever heard of. He'd be like, "Oh yeah, but Liverpool get a penalty every 13 minutes when John Moss or something will happen during the week." And if that happens, Tottenham will win this game. The other factor that I'm a bit concerned about is whether or not Liverpool have a centre back that can handle Harry Kane and Son right now, and I'm not sure that they do. But the other thing that's telling me that Liverpool could win this is Klopp has been the king of Liverpool bouncing back after some sort of um, disappointment. Like, and they tend to bounce back and they tend to bounce back well. They're in a bit of a lull right now, but I do think that he can get them up again. But Jose is the king of the 1 0 win, isn't he? I just he can't is. even decide for myself. You can't even decide. But uh, yeah, I think, I think Spurs will do it. I think. Like Klopp seems to be um, getting angrier and angrier in certain certain situations, whether it be press conferences or just exchanges down the tunnel. I think that'll continue this week. The question I want to ask, though, is or would you take Trent Alexander-Arnold out of the team, completely out of form, sort of low on confidence, looks tired and probably just needs to be taken out of the squad at the moment or at least the team and just, just rotate it just to freshen up himself? Um, yeah, would you take him out of the team? No, no, I think he offers oh, too much. Come on, mate, he's got to come out. Yeah, bring him out, think, bring him no, in. I think his problem on the weekend, like he, he's got a crisis of confidence. He's obviously missing Virgil van Dijk, but then they put Curtis Jones in front of him and he offered him no protection against Marcus Rashford. Like, And Marcus Rashford is, if nothing else, he's very fast and he runs at players and he makes and makes decisions when he's playing well. And Alexander-Arnold was caught out a little bit there. But I'd just give him a little bit more protection. So either if it's Milner coming across, or I don't know if Jordan if Jordan Henderson's available, then he'll be fine because Henderson can give him that protection because he's got the legs to do that. Um, I think he just needs a little bit more protection so that he can do those wonderful things that he can do when he's attacking, like start whipping those balls across that. But you have to start. You have to stick with him. He's still only 22. He's going to go through these lulls. Um, but I am a little bit concerned because he took on Marcus Rashford on the weekend and Rashford comfortably got the better of him. And this week he's got a potentially superior player in Sun. Um, and Sun could really give him some nightmares out there. So you still haven't given us a tip, mate. What do you think? Yeah, I've been stalling intentionally. Ah, um, oh, shit. Oh, well, it's a tough one. Uh, is Jordan Henderson fit? Hendo will be there. Hendo will be there. I'm going to go with Liverpool. I'm going to back Klopp to get him going again this week. He'll have a couple of days of the squad. So there is. I'm going. I'm bravely going with Liverpool. Well done, mate. Pick the champions. You're a real <laughs> hero. Um, okay, so we are well over time, so we better move over to the transfer corner. 
All right, let's get through it fast. So the one that everyone's been wanting to hear, so Ozil to Fernabache. You'd be buzzing about this as a Fernabache fan. He took a Done. pay cut, so that's it. What do you think of that? Happy? Yeah, I'm happy. Fernabache are top, and so they sort of need this last push to um, to get over the line. They're in a lot of financial trouble, apparently, um, Fernabache. So, yeah, I think... Have you, heard, have you heard about the text message campaign around this transfer? No. Oh, I thought everyone was aware. So... It's really good for a non-visual podcast, but apparently Fernabache have a some sort of system where um, to support this transfer, fans can text in to say, go Ozil or something like that, and every time the text gets sent, $2 goes towards paying Ozil. That's good because they are in huge financial trouble here. So if they get Ozil in, um, they've sort of you know broken the bank to get him in and, wanna, and he'll go on and win a title. Um but, yeah, I think it's a good move for them, obviously, to bring in a quality player like him yep. and that he passed his medical. But, yeah, I think they've got some bigger things they need to deal with off the field. But they can build the team around him and that's what he needs. So they could be could be anything this transfer. So the next one is an attacking midfielder leaves Arsenal. Another one comes in, Martin Odegaard, who was Norwegian wonder kid. And he's going to leave Arsenal for six months for a 1.8 million loan fee with no option to buy. What do you think of this one? One of your one of your close friends has spoken up about this transfer. He's not very excited about it, and he's an Arsenal fan. What do you think? Well, I think it is a good transfer, and, and it's good that he's coming in. I think the terms of it don't make a lot of sense to me. I think you have to put in a buy clause in there. Um, at the end of it, because if he really impresses, he's just going to go back, and you, and Arsenal fans will, will never see him again. But then, if he if he's bad, um, you can just pass him back. So, yeah, I just think the the no buy clause in there seems a bit odd. I know that both clubs said at the end of the loan they'll discuss whether he comes or whether they make a sale or not to Arsenal. So, I think that just seems a bit loose. That's like, oh, don't don't put it in the contract. We'll, we'll just discuss it offline at the end of it. Yeah, so, that's, that's a power move, isn't it? It is. Um, but no, I think a good signing. I'll be pleased to see him in the Prem and interested to see whether he um, gets straight into the Arsenal team and, and how he goes. Yeah, so a couple of interesting things there. One is Martin Odegaard is rumoured to have a buyout clause in his contract for 311 million euros, allegedly. Because um, I don't know if you remember the furor around him signing but he was like the next big thing. And so apparently it's 300 million buyout clause, which Arsenal, you know, with Kroenke and they've got so much money and they're a big club, they could pay that. Um, the other thing about this transfer is I'm not happy with it because six-month loan, no option to buy, and Smith Rowe's been putting in some workmanlike performances the last couple of weeks, and I think he deserves um, more time to develop, and I feel like this is going to hinder his development a little bit. So I'm not happy with it, but I'm not an Arsenal fan, so it doesn't really matter. Um, what, what are the Arsenal fans saying? What, what are the blogs? What's um, <laughs> saying? Are they oh, happy or? I haven't been brave enough to read it, um, but I'll, I'll have a look later and I'll, I'll bring an update once we get the paperwork through. Um, next one that I really like is a transfer rumour, but Big Sam has been linked with a move for Andy Carroll. Now, I spoke about this earlier, but does this not get you excited? Imagine what West Brom could produce. Yeah, some long balls in. That'd be good. Uh, no, like, is this, like, I'm not sure how much truth is to this or is this just the most obvious link of all time so people just throw it up there? Maybe I made it up. I don't know. It's hard to say, but it has got me excited. Um, 
but I don't think it's going to be good for either party because Andy Carroll can't play a game, let alone a number of games when you need him. I wouldn't bother. Um, but the other one was they might go for Christian Benteke, which would probably be more likely. Yeah, at least I'll get some goals in. Yep. So the next one is Jay Lins. So your favourite brand is uh, yeah. has been linked for to those, West Ham. For those that don't know, I'm doing the, his little gang sign at the moment at the yeah. microphone. Yeah. So no one knows again, not a visual content. Um, so <laughs> Jesse Lingard's linked to West Ham. So I think this could genuinely happen and this fits with the West Ham transfer budget of old where they like sign players who think they should be at big clubs but aren't really and they go to West Ham and flop. So I think Jesse Lingard's fits in that mould. What do you think? Do you think it's a good move for Jay Lings? I think it's a good move for Jalings. I think that he, it's time he sort of realises he needs to take a step down from Manchester United, but um, he's just not in that that quality um, of of player, or he shouldn't be that quality club. So I think it makes sense to him to sort of step down and get some game time. But he's still got plenty to offer. Like I think he can still do a job and still be have a, like a respectable Premier League career. Um, I know that's a bit cheeky saying saying that after he's won what he's won at, at Manchester United, but yeah, still have a, a reasonable um, career in another club. So I think it's a great move for Jay Lings. If you're West Ham, though, oh, I'm not sure that's something you're that excited about, are you? He's not in their best team, in my opinion. Like he's not, as you said, he's a workmanlike footballer. He can do a job, but he's not in West Ham's best team. I don't think. Like you got Bowen, Jared Bowen's better than him. Better Arm is obviously better than him. Um, Lanzini, if he plays, is better than him. Mikel Antonio is my favourite player ever. Pablo Fornells is better than him. Yarmolenko is better than him. Like It's just a list of players who can play in similar spots to him who I think are better footballers than him. Um, Moisey would have uh, managed Jalings before at Manchester United. Yep. Yeah. So I don't know what he sees in him, but that's potentially... If it happens, I think it's best for all parties, um, but except for potentially Jalings who still might not play. But next one is a player who Frank Lampard never liked. Fikayo Tomori is off to AC Milan. Do you like this move or do you think it's a little bit of a like, show of faith in Tomori in his own career where he's like, I can go and play at a big club, it just doesn't gonna work, isn't going to work for me at Chelsea? I think it's an odd move for Milan. Like if you're, They're sitting top um, of Serie A by, by two points. I just think it's an unusual signing from Milan's perspective. Don't you like like from? Does this make more sense um, from Tamori's point of view or from uh, Milan's? I think it makes sense from Tamori's point of view. Like he needs to go out and play. But as you said, um, they're doing well right now. But I well, think they're on top. Yeah, well, well, they're doing very well then. Um, but he got a call from um, Paolo Maldini, who's a technical director at Milan. So if you're of that generation, 23 years of age. And Paolo Maldini calls you. You're going, aren't you? Like, that's like that's the best defender in the world. When I was growing up, he was amazing. And he calls you, and you're a young defender who's sort of on the outer at Chelsea. You're going every time. Like, it just makes absolutely no sense to refuse that from tomorrow's perspective. I think he's going to go there and flourish. To be honest, um, really? it's a great move for him. Yeah, I, I was impressed with him. Team? I think he'll get in the team. Um, I maybe not straight away, but he's still quite young. He's, I think he's only 23. So they've actually got into Milan tomorrow. I don't think he'll make that, but they did have a poor result um, on the weekend against Atalanta. They got hammered 3-0, um, and they've currently got Kea and Kulalu, who's doing okay, but not that impressive in there. So I think that he could work his way into the team pretty quickly, um, and I think he'll flourish. But he's only a lot of Yeah, 
it is only a loan, so he could potentially come back if things work out and he doesn't have Frank to deal with anymore. But he's another player who was a victim of Frank being like, oh, I'm going to play the kids. But as soon as he got some money, he's like, oh, no, I don't want him anymore. <laughs> um, but Poor good man. move for Tamori. So next one is Crystal Palace interested in signing Leicester winger Damari Gray. So that would be a good move for Damari, I think. That would be a good move for Damari. He's found his way out of the, the team and even the squad at various points this year. be sad to see him go. I think he's a Leicester apprentice and, and graduate of their academy program, so that will be sad to see him go. Played a couple of um, international games for the, the 21s and stuff like that. So, yeah, I think he's got good calibre. But believe me, that will come at a premium price if you're trying to buy an academy kid who's one of our own and is English and has been playing in the sort of junior international teams, they're going to have to pay well overs for Demari Gray. And I think if you're Palace, he's like Demari Gray is like a young mercurial winger. <laughs> it's um, just one thing they have in abundance. Which is what I was about to say. Yeah, so they're, like they're not <laughs> I was, I was, short of that. talking the whole time. I was like, what are they doing? <laughs> like they, they got Zaha. <laughs> And and easy in there. You got Townsend um, oh, in there. He comes in on the left as well. Like, oh, just seems an unusual move. I think the Villa are probably. I mean, Palace are probably better off signing a striker rather than a Mercurial winger. But yeah, I don't know. That that's my thoughts on the move. What do you think? Yeah, I I just doesn't make sense to me for either party. Oh, I'm hoping it doesn't go through um, because it just doesn't make sense. They have these type like they have a lot of Mercurial type wingers similar to Demario Gray potentially Roy. Like wants more of these types of players. That's why he wants to play deep and let these guys just dribble and counter. Um, but yeah, it just doesn't make sense to me. But it's you not for them all in the same team. Really. <laughs> no, he wants to fit another centre back in there. Um, but uh, don't know what's going to go in there. But the next one I'm quite excited about. So Aston Villa have agreed a fee with Marseille for Morgan Sanson. So I said that earlier. And Dean Smith confirmed a player is on the verge of signing without naming who. So everyone thinks it's Sanson. So this is a really good move for me. What do you think? Yeah, great move. I think finally they've got some um, some more cash to spend in in this space. I, like I think if you look at their their signings, they're nor more predominantly in the in the front third, so I think this is a, a, a good thing and a good move. Um, what's what is with Dean Smith sort of not naming the the player though? I thought that was a little bit odd. Ah, uh, he's just cheeky, Dean. I think he said too much last week and got himself sent off, so he's a bit cagey now. Um, but as far as Sanson coming in, so he's capable of playing as like a pivot um, in a midfield three or in even like a more advanced position. So how I see this developing is Sanson will come in for six months and he'll get to sort of dip his toe in play a few games. Um, he's kind of similar to John McGinn in like he's got really good work rate and dynamism, but I think eventually this is a long-term replacement for Ross Barkley because Ross Barkley is only there on loan. Um, and I think Samson still got – like he had a lot of potential when he was at Montpellier, but then he'll get better. Like he should have gotten better than he did at Marseille, but I think this is a really good chance to take his game to the next level. Um, Doesn't look like a turn-up either, so that'll be good for Dean Smith. <laughs> You won't yeah, follow the side. No. So that's a big move. So there's a couple couple of things going on as well this week in the transfer space, so we'll keep you updated. But if you want to get in touch with us, email at footballplayedonpaper at gmail.com, um, Facebook Football Played on Paper, Insta at Football on Paper, Twitter at Football on Pods, and don't forget to give us a five-star review. And on Friday, are we going to have um, Rogers Multi ready to go? Yes, Friday, Roger will be back. He's finally back on leave. Gee, that's a long break, isn't it? But um, it's yeah, too long, I think. 
too long. But that's okay. So that'll do us for this week. Uh, see ya. Enjoy the football.